0: Lord's Health System, one of the region's leading health care providers, proudly presents Lord's Health Talk. Here's Melanie Cole.
1: Sickle cell disease is the most common genetic disorder in the United States. About 100,000 Americans are thought to be living with sickle cell disease, and every year, another 1,000 babies are born with the disease. My guest is Dr. Joseph Tropea. He's a hematologist oncologist with Our Lady of Lord's Medical Center of Burlington County and of Camden. Dr. Tropea, are people born with sickle cell disease, how is it passed down, how is it inherited, and what causes it?
0: It's an inherited disorder. It's it's one of the most common genetic disorders that we know about, and it's usually passed on from two parents who who particularly have the trait. Um, And the good thing is is that we screen all our newborns uh initially for the for the sickle cell trait and, and or the disease itself so it, it is part of the neonatal screening when when children are born um, even if, you know if it's, if it's missed in the history from the parents, uh, and, and maybe they were asymptomatic uh, sickle cell trait carriers, then uh, obviously their children would be screened at, at, at birth, and, uh, and we'd be able to identify these patients who are going to need you know aggressive therapy, intense monitoring, and a good follow-up.
1: So both parents have to have this abnormal gene for a child to come with sickle cell disease.
0: Or the at least the trait, if they both harbor the trait, then the, the progeny would have the, the sickle cell disease because you need a gene from each parent to be affected. So
1: how would the parents know? Is there is Who is at risk? And if people do not know whether they carry this abnormal gene, do they get tested? Who would get tested? Yeah,
0: I mean, it, it, it comes down to knowing your family history, um and uh, and also having some some degree of suspicion i mean we typically think of this disease in african americans but also people of Mid- middle eastern descent uh southeast uh, asia so it, it's really uh, uh knowing your family history discussing these things uh, with your family members when you you know when you everybody meets and have some awareness of that uh, yeah I, I have sickle cell trait you know and uh, and and and, uh, and even having a discussion with your uh, your 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 husband or your wife uh, Uh, if if your family history is strong, that uh, you you should be screened, Uh, especially if if you have no symptoms and and there's a potential history. It's a, a simple blood test that could be done.
1: Do you feel that couples, do you advise couples who are planning to have children and know that they're at risk of having a child with sickle cell, that they carry the trait? Do you advise them to meet with a genetic counselor or anything along those lines?
0: Well, uh, it's it's unfortunate that I don't really get to see these patients. It's really uh, that, that's more at the primary care level that we're hoping that uh, that discussion comes about and the end and have that discussion with, with a possible uh, genetic counselor to, to realize what are the implications of uh, of, of possibly uh, having a child with sickle cell and what, what it entails. So, you know, like I said, it, typically uh, we're not involved at that point. We're, we're usually involved in the care of these patients uh, after the fact, after the diagnosis. Diagnosis has been made, but yeah, true that that's something we're going to ask our primary care docs, uh, internists, nurses. That they, it's all part of your your when you take a history whether there's any family history of sickle cell disease, sickle cell trait uh, in the immediate family.
1: So if this is now screened at new, you know, at birth, and you determine that a child does carry this trait or does have this disease, what do you do for them? When does treatment start?
0: Yeah, they're they're immediately sent to a pediatric hematologist, and they're they're monitored for symptoms. If they're uh, they start demonstrating uh, sequelae of the disease, then they're steered into appropriate treatments, transfusions, uh, intense monitoring with blood tests, uh, imaging, uh, possible medications down the road if need be.
1: And and then what is life like for a child growing with this type of condition and? Do they need treatment continuously as they grow? Yeah,
0: there's all different severities of the disease. So yes, some uh, some uh, patients are trans- dependent on transfusions. Some of them have uh, you know flares and exacerbations of their disease that requiring hospitalizations and, and intermittent treatment. So it's it is quite variable and uh, it's 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 very patient dependent. And uh, but it, the key is identifying the patients and then getting them to the right doctors uh, for 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 monitoring and potential treatment.
1: Is there any cure?
0: There is a, a, you know, a a bone marrow transplant, obviously uh, transplanting somebody else's bone marrow would be curative. Uh, um, you know, it is a possibility in select patients that if they have potential donors, uh, that that could be done. But interestingly, our you know our, our patients are living longer with the disease because we're we're treating it like the chronic illness that it is. And you know, in, and even you know when I started practice years ago, the patients did not survive as long as they did, and now they're living you know into their adult age. And and uh, and I think it's a, a you know feather in the cap to the developments that have been made for, for the treatment of the disease and, 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 and overall awareness and, and uh, again, intense, intense monitoring of, of, our, of our patients.
1: So as far as comprehensive care and multidisciplinary care, if patients, since you mentioned that it's a chronic illness and it can affect many systems in the body, and you've mentioned transfusions and such, is it essential that they have a system of care set up, primary care, hematologists, pediatricians, who's involved in care?
0: it's it's yeah, it's definitely multidisciplinary we We need the primary docs to you know see the patients regularly. We need the patients to have regular regular eye exams um they should have their their skin checked for skin ulcers. They should be see podiatrists to make sure they're not developing any uh, any problems with their feet in terms of infections uh yeah seeing their their primary physicians and making sure their their vaccinations are up to date. Uh, making sure that all their uh, age appropriate vaccinations are done uh, and and cancer screenings, and and then yeah their hematologists and and nurses that if in the event there are complications that we can get on board and and uh, address those, set the patient up for transfusions if they needed when they come into the hospital manage their their exacerbations of their disease and uh, again this this multidisciplinary approach.
1: You mentioned making sure their vaccinations are up to date. Are they? Um, more at risk for infections, and at all they, immunocompromised. They are because
0: most of the most of these patients, their spleen becomes a functional, or sometimes they, their spleen needs to be removed. Uh, so they're obviously uh, at risk for uh, even the uh, uh, normal things that you and I, you and I might be able to fight off because of their immune systems compromise That they really need to, you know. Uh, Make sure they're you know they get the flu vaccine every year. Make sure they have the pneumococcal vaccination, all the other appropriate vaccinations, and and to keep the, the radar up for any signs of infection because they should be really treated aggressively with antibiotics, um, you know, empirically at, at times uh, to to because sometimes it could be complicated. Their disease obviously puts them at risk for serious uh, infectious morbidity.
1: What about mental health? Where does that fit into that multidisciplinary approach to treatment, doctor? Because, I mean, it would seem to be a pretty stressful situation to be growing
0: with. Yeah, it's part of it. Yeah, definitely, because the patients are going to have down days, good days, bad days, and... and, uh because you know, if they're admitted to the hospital on a frequent basis and they're missing work, they're missing activities of life, especially the the, the, the uh, if you're young and and you're trying to go to school. So yeah, definitely uh social workers, psychiatrists, psychologists. Uh, yeah, it it's really trying to get everybody on board because these people, these patients can be very complicated and they 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 need uh they need they need like I said comprehensive care.
1: What about research? In thinking along the lines of the next 10 years, do you see anything changing in treatment, in screening, in prevention?
0: Uh, well, we're, like I said, we're always looking at this bone marrow transplant option. and Maybe we can identify patients uh, uh, who may be a candidate sooner. Um the, the, the process of bone marrow transplantation is is, is evolving uh, so that, that hopefully uh, even for a little bit older patients it could still be an option. So the, yeah, the research is evolving, um, are, are, but I think that the, what's, what has gotten better, at least in the 20 years I've been in practice, is the supportive efforts uh, drugs like hydroxyurea um and, and uh, uh, that we implement in some patients that has been proven to uh, prevent the the, the, the crisis uh, that these patients can get frequently and and and, and possibly curtail their transfusion requirement so the, the, we're, we're hopefully we're getting smarter, but I think the, the most important thing is our patients are living longer with the disease and and it's I think it's a, because of the uh, good supportive care that we we, we ascribe to these patients uh, uh, for a lifetime.
1: As the most common genetic disorder in the States, Dr. Tropea, wrap it up for us with what you would like listeners to know when you give lectures and webinars and you tell people about this condition that not everybody knows about. I mean, they've heard about sickle cell anemia over the years, but they really don't understand the condition. What do you tell them? What would you like them to take away from this segment?
0: That it is it is an inherited disorder, and, it, and again, the the, the, the thought is that's mainly African American people. Uh, but it, true, it could be patients of Middle Eastern descent, Southeastern Asian descent, Caribbean descent. So it it it, it, it could be it's uh, 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 not just one particular uh, ethnicity. So it's important, yeah, to have the discussions in your family about history, uh, knowing what your family history is because it's important to identify uh, the, p- the patients, especially the ones who have trait and may not know it. Um, and then if you are diagnosed with sickle cell, making sure you have very good follow-up care, see your internist, your primary physician regularly, get good checkups, do do all the, like I said, the, the, the age-appropriate vaccinations and, 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 and the, get the comprehensive care that you deserve. Get an eye exam every year, see the podiatrist, see your internist, and... Visit your uncle, your hematologist uh, 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 on a regular basis as well for follow up, and of course, when if if it is bec- becomes more complicated, you come to the hospital. Then your your obviously your hematologist would be involved in your care.
1: Thank you so much, Doctor Tropea, for being with us today. Really, really interesting segment, an interesting topic. Thank you again. You're listening to Lord's Health Talk, and for more information, you can go to lordsnet.org. That's lordsnet.org.